Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Great are you, Lord. Great is the Lord and most worthy to be praised. Lord, we thank you that you spread out the heavens and you established the earth. And your glory is revealed in those places. But it's revealed in your church too, Lord, as we stand and worship you. We thank you for your great, great glory, which is beyond anything that we could imagine. And Lord, we thank you for pouring your glory out in us, pouring out revelation, understanding into us, bringing breakthrough and healing and restoration for us through your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, guys. You just are par excellence. You're absolutely wonderful. You know what? You can worship God anywhere and with anybody, but it's really nice when you've got a fantastic band, isn't it? (laughs) You know what they're doing. So this morning I will be talking about that part in the Lord's Prayer that says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And I always think that that's a funny one really because we're actually saying to God, we'd like you to forgive us in the same way that we're forgiving everybody else, which is pretty disconcerting, right? It's been something that's helped me work out it may as well do it now than later because I don't really, I don't want to be treated the way I might be treated if I just don't get around to forgiving. But when when I think of it like that, it just puts extra emphasis on my own need to sort my life out and not unconsciously hold things against other people. Now, the thing about forgiveness is this. Some people, and probably in all of our lives, but some people specifically, have had some incredibly harsh, cruel, dreadful, horrific things happen to them. But it seems to me that a lot of the difficulty that I have with forgiving hasn't necessarily been the really, really bad things. It's been the accumulation of little things. And so we can see that in marriages even sometimes when there's a wall between husband and wife because too many little things that didn't really get dealt with. You can tell when there's issues like that because you don't want to look the other person in the eyes. You'd rather just answer them and stay focused on what you're doing. Or between parents and children, you know, and sometimes parents find find it hard to even realise they need to forgive their kids sometimes. Kids don't find it all that hard to realise they have to forgive their parents but on the other hand they still got to work it out and actually do it and so there's that as well. But I'm always amazed at how at the degree to which we have not realised that we have not forgiven and it seems to me that we're damaged far more by the accumulation of little things that grow to become unmanageable because we didn't stop to deal with them by chatting it through with the Lord, which is another reason why it's worthwhile spending time with the Lord every day, not just to be in his presence, not just to receive from him, but also to work out that there's stuff we haven't dealt with and it'd be really good for us to do it right now with him rather than later. So 
a long, long, long time ago, I went to a, a pastor's conference in Sydney and there was a lot of people there and they had these massive book tables. They had a whole room full of book tables and one of the books that I picked up was a child's book. It was little had board pages and there was only about six pages in it and it was in Spanish. I don't know what that was doing at a Sydney pastor's conference, but anyway, it was a kid's kid's story in Spanish. And so I couldn't read Spanish, but I could read the pictures. And the story was so profound that it stayed with me. And after a while, I decided to write the story. And so the story I'm about to um, tell to you is not my idea, but it is my story, right? It's called The Prisoner. So everybody sitting comfortably? Once upon a time, a man named Norman was walking home when he stumbled over something soft laying in the grass. Instantly, the thing began to sob. (laughs) It said. Being a sensitive type, Norman turned and picked the little thing up and immediately it began to quiet down, snuggling softly deep into his chest. (laughs) (laughs) it said, but not too unhappily. What are you, little thing? asked Norman. I'm a little hurt, said the little hurt. I've been left out here all alone and I have no one to look after me. Norman, who was a sympathetic kind of person, thought that was terrible. Fancy leaving a poor little hurt lying around all by itself with no one to look after it. He'd always been pretty careful about nursing hurts, but this one seemed so harmless that he just couldn't pass it by. So he picked it up, carefully wrapped his coat around it and took it home. That night, he called all his friends and invited them to visit with him. And at the same time, he showed them the little hurt that he'd brought home. Some of them said, oh, look at the poor little thing. Can I stroke it? Does it bite? Oh, no, said Norman. See how harmless it is. When I first picked it up, it was very frail, but it's much stronger now. It cries a little sometimes, but all I have to do is pay it some attention, feed it, and it settles right down again. While some of Norman's friends were really supportive of his decision to nurture his newfound hurt, many of them were not so encouraging. They said things like, hey, that's a hurt. You should never bring one of them home. They grow enormous really quickly and they can eat you out of house and home. Get rid of it now, fast, before it gets too big. Norman was very upset because some of his friends didn't realise how much care this little hurt actually needed. How could it hurt anyone, that poor little thing? They obviously didn't understand. He turned away to fix some nice warm milk to feed his little hurt before he tucked it into bed. The next morning, he was surprised to find how well and strong it had become. And the ensuing days saw it grew at an astonishing rate. In fact, when his friends came by at the weekend, they found not a little hurt anymore, but quite a large grudge. 
Norman quickly found that the care and feeding of a grudge, particularly a big one, was not as easy as looking after a little hurt had been. The grudge, instead of being grateful for any attention, had become quite demanding and now began to yell and scream and throw things around if it wasn't being noticed. Not only that, but it wouldn't walk, demanding instead to be carried from place to place and it was becoming very heavy. Although he welcomed his friends, Norman appeared very distracted and less inclined to talk with them than he'd been before. He was easily annoyed and often treated their well-intentioned comments defensively. As they left, they observed to one another how preoccupied he seemed and they were concerned that he seemed to be spending far too much time on that grudge. A few weeks passed... And the friends had become worried at how little they'd seen of Norman lately. Several of them had rung him and had been surprised at how quickly the subject turned to his grudge. If they didn't agree with him, he quickly finished the call. They decided to go and visit him to make sure that he was okay. When they arrived, they could hear loud angry shouts coming from inside the house and they even had to knock several times on the door before he came to answer it. Poor Norman. They were shocked at the sight of him. He didn't seem himself. He stood on the doorstep. His hair was messed up. His clothes were rumpled. He seemed very unhappy and he didn't welcome them at all. It was apparent that he wanted to get rid of them. Uh, I'm so sorry. I can't invite you in. The house isn't really in a good state for visitors. I'm a bit behind, you know. As a matter of fact, I'm quite busy right now, if you don't mind. As he talked, he kept taking little glances over his shoulder as if he was worried about something behind him. Suddenly, there was a shout of rage and a huge figure came thundering down the hall behind Norman, flinging its powerful arms around his neck. It jumped onto his back and with a great roar began to pull him backwards into the house. The friends drew back in horror as they watched their old comrade staggering under the weight of the dreadful beast. Terrified to ask and dreading the answer, one said, Norman, What is that? Norman strained to look over the top of the great forearm now wrapped in a stranglehold around his neck and he said, it's the little hurt I've found. It's grown into a fence and I don't seem to be able to deal with it. I was a bit worried when it became a grudge uh, but I thought I could handle it. The more I cared for it, the more care it demanded and the larger it grew. It was helpless to begin with. But now, even though I try not to feed it, it consumes everything. I can't go anywhere or do anything without it. It won't walk by itself. I have to carry it everywhere. I can't eat. I can't sleep. It mutters to me all night. And I can't get any sleep. It's all I ever think about. It's destroying my life and I'm so unhappy. (laughs) 
Norman's friends gazed in dismay as Norman, his red face bulging and his eyes staring from the powerful grip of a fence, was dragged mercilessly back into the house and the door was firmly slammed in their faces. On their way home, they worriedly discussed the situation and they wondered what on earth they could do to free Norman from the powerful grip of the beast that had taken over his life. Their telephone calls received no response and the next time they went to visit him, they found a huge brick wall surrounding his house with iron bars as the gates. Poor Norman. A fence had imprisoned him completely. Now, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 19 says, it's harder to make amends with an offended friend than to capture a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with iron bars. I read that story once and a friend of mine came and said, we've got to get him out of there. You can't just leave him, right? But we can all identify with Norman. We've all been prisoners of offence and we've all tried hard to get through the locked gates of our friends who are prisoners of life's painful outrages. I'm convinced that the weapon of mass destruction to our lives and our relationships is unforgiveness. I've been offended many times and I know that rock-like determination of offence that gets in my heart and how it blocks people that I once was close with. We don't realise that the walls we build to protect ourselves become our jail, our survival techniques to keep us from being hurt again, prevent God's love getting into us and healing through other people. We become suspicious. We imagine people are talking about us. They're judging us. They're siding with the people who hurt us. And our walls become stronger and higher. Offence nags all day and whispers into our ears all night. We're increasingly afraid of being hurt. And so we build our walls taller and tougher until one day we can't see out. We're consumed by our offence and bitterness overwhelms us. We lose sight of the people who love us. How do I know? Same way you do. We've all had experience with that. Now, interestingly, the Greek word for offence is skandalizo, and it literally means a stumbling block. Remember that Norman stumbled over that little hurt. It literally means a stumbling block. It means offence. And offence is one of life's very ordinary challenges. It happens all the time. Jesus actually said offences would come, but God gives us the perfect means to deal with offence and God is the great forgiver. So he asks us to be like him. And, you know, I've noticed Christians everywhere, especially in times of worship or times when they're with the Lord, they say, God, make me like you. I want to be more like you, Lord. But, you know, the most powerful essence of who God is is forgiveness, or one of the most powerful, is God is forgiveness. God is a missionary God who reaches out to every single person and he He comes with that forgiveness. That's the gift that he brings as he comes to us. And so without forgiveness, none of us would be here. And the real 
essence of that, or the real understanding of that, is that when we forgive, we are exercising one of the most significant characteristics of God, which is the ability to release somebody else from their sin. So if I if I forgive that person for that thing, it actually means God has given me the power to get rid of that as far as that person is concerned. It's gone. Now, sometimes we have a bit of a problem with that because we're just like, well, I don't mind forgiving, but I don't want God to. I still want him to be answerable. No, it's got to be all the way through. I want to release that person so there's no record of it anymore. And if that person doesn't know Jesus and hasn't doesn't have forgiveness of all their sin, okay, they might have a trillion other things to answer for, but they won't have to answer for that one because it, as we speak forgiveness, whether they ever hear it or not, that thing is lifted off their life. And so it's amazing for me to realise that the power to release someone, to set someone free from what they did to me lies in my heart and in my mouth and as we speak forgiveness they're set free from that but we're set free we're set free altogether within that context so if we train ourselves to begin the process of forgiving as soon as we realize that we're hurt it will change our life and let me say again I am not um I'm not making smaller some of the terrible things that any of us might have been through. I'm not saying that because when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, I mean the the, the horror for him was was something we can't even imagine. So I'm not saying that that it's not that big a deal. And sometimes we we find it hard to forgive because we've been so wounded that we feel like if I forgive it, it will say it didn't really matter. No, that, it's not about that. It's about being free. And Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 to 17 says, if your brother forgives you, uh, sins against you, go and show him his fault between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, how amazing it would be if Christians dealt with their offences by starting a conversation with the person they have the issue with rather than starting a conversation with anybody else who will listen, right? It seems really direct, but honestly, it gives the opportunity to explain misunderstandings and deal with the escalation that comes to onlookers when they buy into someone else's offence, they weren't even there. And that happens when people start talking about other people instead of to other instead of to the person. They're talking about the person instead of to them. And this is the thing, talking about other people behind their backs, undermining them, is addictive. The more we do it, the more we do it. So taking on someone else's offence without asking the other side of the story is really, really damaging. In fact, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 17 says, the first to state their case always sounds right until you hear the other side. So it's really important as people and particularly as Christians that we don't get stuck on third-party offence when we don't really have a full understanding of what it was that happened. So when people are trying to deal with conflict, things will come up that, that, that hurt. When people are trying to forgive Things will come up that hurt. But if we can hear the other person through, we will learn and grow through it. 
because a forgiving heart is tremendously valuable and nothing clears the decks like forgiveness. And I know this up close and personal, only forgiveness is forgiveness. Listen to me, getting your heart right is not forgiveness. Self-control is not forgiveness. Patience and kindness and letting bygones be bygones and pretending it never happened is not forgiveness. Those things are all good. There's nothing wrong with them. But only forgiveness is forgiveness and forgiveness has to be spoken out. We've got to use our mouth. Now, that doesn't mean it's necessary to go to the uh, the other person and say, I, by the way, I want you to know that I've forgiven you because you were such a horrible rap to me but I've forgiven it all now and I was saying in the other service I had a lady come up to me once when I was quite young in the Lord and she said I just want you to know I've forgiven you there's always been two people in this church I could never take to and one of them was this person and the other one's you and um (laughs) but I've forgiven you and um I'm left thinking well I can understand why you didn't like the other person but you know (laughs) so You know, it's got to be spoken. You don't have to go to other people. In fact, I think probably 85% of of forgiveness that we need to do can be done between me and God, can be done when I'm just spending time with him. It doesn't have to be said all the other time. But if you do go to the other person, go with humility. Don't say, I just want you to know that you really hurt me but I've forgiven you now. It's It doesn't have the effect that, you know, that you would think. None of us haven't hurt other people. When I feel wounded or rejected about what happened to me, it's worth remembering I have done the same to other people repeatedly over and over again over these years. And it's a lot easier to make the other person the bad guy than it is to accept responsibility and say, actually, I was wrong. Whatever they did, I was wrong. Our problem is that we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge everybody else by their actions. But Matthew chapter 18 goes through this whole long story, which is worthwhile reading, but basically it's about a guy that got forgiven this massive millions and millions of dollars worth of debt, and then he sees a bloke who owes him $500 and he gets him thrown into jail. And the the crux of the story is with the way that you measure out mercy, stroke forgiveness, is the same measure that we'll receive it with. And so it's frightening for me to know that my freedom is determined by my willingness to let you be free, to let somebody else be free. The freedom I will walk in is determined by whether I will let you be free. And so we need mercy, not only from God, but from each other as well. And the way to get it is to give it. And ultimately, and this is really the deal, ultimately, how we deal with our hurts and offences display the degree to which we understand the principles of Christ. Not only that, but the more I forgive, the easier it gets. How easily are you offended? Taking offence is habit-forming and life becomes a prison that fewer and fewer people are admitted to. And I know that for myself, I, as a younger woman, as a teenager and a young woman I always look for things to be offended about because it gave an opportunity for the drama queen to come out you know and when I became a Christian God began to speak to me specifically about that there were other things he didn't speak to me about but that was an an issue and that had to be dealt with because humans are not designed to carry the weight of unforgiveness 
It begins as a burning hot thing in our gut, but undealt with, it cools and hardens until it sits like a stone, a weight robbing us of peace and joy. And that's why unforgiveness hurts the unforgiver much more than the people we didn't forgive. Now, some people seem impervious to offence. Whatever happens, they seem to respond with forgiveness. I know that that Greek Orthodox family from a couple of years ago when a drunk driver hit their three children and the child's cousin and um, killed them all, I think we were all shocked to see that family say pretty well immediately that they forgave the person who did it. It was, it was shocking to see that. And yet they had such a clear understanding of who Jesus Christ is as the great forgiver. To find the secret of dealing with offence, Psalm 119 and verse 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law and nothing shall cause them to stumble. Nothing will cause them to stumble. Remember scandalizo, the offence or the, the stumbling block. We all love God. And that's, that's the truth. Pretty well, every one of us sitting here, if, if I asked you if you love God, you would say, absolutely. It's another thing altogether. It's a greater dimension to love God's ways. And one of God's ways is repentance. And one of God's ways is forgiveness. It's like it's also giving and it's generosity and it's numbers of other things. But but God's ways, great peace, have those who love your law or your ways because nothing will cause them to stumble. What that literally means is when I love God's ways, offence has doesn't have a hold over me. It comes. It's not that it doesn't come, but it doesn't have a hold over me because we have learned to forgive. Forgiveness is like anything else we learn. Paul Wellham, did you pick up the guitar one day? Just pick it up and just do that, what you do. Was it just like? Just an anointing came on you and you did it. Is that what happened? No. How did you get to be so amazing with your guitar? You practised. No. Now, who would have thought that? That's the reason why I can't play guitar. I've been wondering, right? Practice make perfect. It's like learning coding or cooking or guitar. Practice makes perfect. And that means if I have trouble forgiving, guess what? God gives me the opportunities to practice. And wow, how cool is that? So I know that the Lord has rescued me from being a a chronic unforgiver. He's rescued me from being a chronic grudge bearer. He taught me and he changed me and he's still doing it now over all these years. But what... What has resulted from that is that I can't bear anymore on my body the pressure of accumulated hurts or grudges or offences. And the more I forgive, the less they even seem to come. And when they do come, the less I can bear them. And so it's not that there's not the opportunity to be offended because there is, but I lived in that prison for a very long time. And it was only Jesus who set me free. And it wasn't like turn the lock, come out, you're never going to have to work that out again. It was something that he taught me by degrees and I don't want to go back there again. So forgiveness brings freedom 
It untangles us from the pain of the things that happen to us. It doesn't give us amnesia. There's no such thing as forgive and forget because if there was, anybody that was any good at forgiving would have great holes in their brain of a whole lot of things that they don't remember. But sometimes we need to forgive ourselves even. It might be hard. But if God forgave us, how how can we possibly refuse to give ourselves? We're throwing that back in his face. We have a right to choose not to forgive, but exercising that right will kill our joy. Some people have horrendous things to forgive and it takes work and determination and counselling and other people helping, you know, but freedom comes through forgiveness. And forgiveness, this is a great quote, forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. The past will not change. Nothing that you do can fix that up or make it better or change it in any way. But it's the letting go and in the letting go, freedom comes. It's not that making what happened to you was less terrible than it was. It's finding a way to use the power that Jesus gave us to forgive. And in that forgiveness, even though it might be an agonising struggle and take a while and cost you dearly like it cost Jesus dearly on the cross, freedom comes to you. And something else that's worth saying as I'm finishing up, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. They're two separate things. When Jesus forgave us on the cross, he did it to reconcile us with God. But the forgiveness is there and the reconciliation is there, but for we have to be the person that, that accepts that and takes that. And sometimes when you have a whole bunch of stuff to forgive, it's too late to reconcile or the person isn't alive anymore or they haven't changed and they're continuing on in that way. And so reconciliation isn't possible. Forgiveness can be done by just one party, even if the other party never forgives. And the last thing is that God loved all the people in the world, everybody that's ever been born, so much that he sacrificed himself so that we could be free from our sin, which is an astonishing thing. No other God in the world, every other God demands sacrifices. Our God was the sacrifice. So that's one thing that needs to be thought out. If you're a Christian, have you allowed God to keep working in your life and forgiving you or are you holding areas of shame and and guilt? Or if you're somebody that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as your saviour and you're just sort of skirting around the edges and I wonder about it, you may not realise how rich and beautiful your life could be because Jesus died to forgive you from all the junk that you've done. And when you don't know that, forgiveness is even harder to do. But the only way to freedom is to clear away the junk and forgiveness plays a big part in that. We've messed up. We, we, we keep messing up. That's the truth of it. But Jesus keeps forgiving because God is a missionary God. He always moves toward us. He doesn't wait for us to get our act together and get clean so we can come back. He always moves toward us and all we have to do is tell him we're sorry and ask him 
to forgive us. That's the thing that makes all the difference. So I'm going to pray now. And um, there's a prayer team here that is willing to pray for you. If you're somebody that's never actually made the step and asked Jesus to come into your life, somebody's going to pray with you if you'd like to do that now. It's like taking a massive step even though you're standing in the same place. And I can guarantee you that everything begins to change beginning on the inside of you when you do that. The other side of it is if you're somebody that's struggled with forgiveness or forgot that you've been forgiven to the degree that you have or also forgot that maybe the measure that you're you're giving your forgiveness might be the measure that you're re- feeling like you receive it. That There's people here who will pray, pray with you over that too. So, Father, we come to you always. We come to you, Lord, as though we have nothing in our hands to offer to you, Lord, because you did all of it and everything that we do is, is only out of the fact we love you, but not we're not trying to earn your good graces because that's just not how the economy of the kingdom of heaven works. Lord, I pray that you would give us revelation on what it is to follow the great forgiver, that as we follow you, Lord, and as we long to be like you, that you will enable us to work our way through all the issues of forgiveness and even those issues where we didn't even realise we hadn't, but we just feel the build-up of the pressure on from that person or that issue. Lord, that you will help us be people who get a handle on what it is to receive forgiveness from you and to be able to give it to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.